Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. And tonight, you're going to get the pleasure of having Cause do most of the talking, because I have a really <laughs> sore throat, which I know should make some of you very happy. Um, on the other hand, I'll be back next week, so take that. Anyway, Cause, I'm going to let you just go ahead and pick this up and run the show. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Marty, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We have today Kara Witowski, and Kara was a guest of ours, um, I think it was a little over a year ago, and her, when she told her her story, it was the next day I was still thinking about her, and it's a very disturbing story, but it's a story that needs to be told, and she's back to update us on her story and some of her legal battle. So before we have Kara come on, I'll just do a real quick recap. I I, uh, found out about Kara from an article that Michael Volpe had written, and Kara and I have been Facebook friends for a few years now after I had read the article. She lives in Palatine, Illinois, and that's where we're going to hear all about the uh, guardianship and the the, the death of her son, her two-year-old son, James. The hashtag is justice for James. There's also a hashtag safety for Sasha. And before we hear the update, I'm just going to have Kara, introduce Kara and have her do a quick recap for anyone who's tuning in to the, for the first time to hear her story and what all happened. This is a heartbreaking story, and this is a true story. Kara, welcome so much to the show. Thank you for coming on. We're going to all try and, and keep composed because what you tell is so emotional and you tell it so well and so powerful. And I want everyone to know Kara is just warrior mama. She is a fighter. She is seeking justice for her son. And Kara, why don't you uh, let the audience know how this all started and what happened to James and how he came into this abusive guardianship and what happened. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Kara Witkowski. Um, I actually do not live in Palatine. I'm in Elgin. Oh, and okay. my son's name is James Riker Bale. I'm 25 years old. And I got into all of this court stuff when I was only 22 years old. So I'm just going to start off with saying I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I uh, began this journey and when I started getting into court. And if I had known more about the court system and the guardianship system, uh, I would have done things a lot differently than I did before. Um, 
So this all started because my ex had chosen to sexually assault me. He had violently raped and sodomized me, and he was making um, threats against me, saying things like, if I didn't comply, he was going to lock me in the attic. He had threatened to throw me down the steps of the home we were living in in Elgin, and, um, you know, he had threatened my life as well on other occasions, where one time he told me he was going to have me explain to the police how a TV fell on top of me 15 times. So after the assault, I had planned on getting away. My best friend and me were talking about me going out there for a week and taking the kids and seeing what we can do and what we were going to do because it was a very unsafe situation. Um, he ended up finding out that I was planning on leaving. He confronted me at my job. He asked me, like, how could you do the one thing that would make me kill myself? And my response to him was, you kept raping and threatening to kill me. What else was I supposed to do? And he was told to leave by everyone in the home, and he would not leave. Um, Finally, he did leave. And when he left, he tried calling me on the phone. And I did pick up his call, and I went into the bathroom to take his call. And he had told me that now that we were officially over, he could tell me the truth. And I said, what do you mean? What's the truth? And he told me that um, he didn't have multiple personality disorder. He wasn't mentally ill. He wasn't sick. That he only did that so he could keep assaulting me. So at that point, I had chosen to go to the police station and to fill out um, a report with them. And I went to get a rape kit done and everything else. And I was advised to um, to go and order of protection. So I went forward and I got the order of protection. The emergency order was granted immediately. And then on um, April 11th, we had the plenary order of protection hearing. And that was granted as well because he admitted to sending the text messages where he stated that he raped me in the text messages. So he admitted to sending those and he admitted to assaulting me. So because he admitted to all this, the judge could not deny me an order of protection because he admitted in court what he did. So after he did this, I'm thinking, okay, things are going to be good. My kids are going to be safe because the order of protection included my children. Um, I was very wrong. It was supposed to be supervised visitations, and instead of supervised visitations, what the judge decided to do, Judge John Dalton, Um, he decided that he would do unsupervised visitation and he would appoint a guardian ad litem, much like the um, guardian ad litems that they appoint when there is a situation with an elderly individual. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, it was for my children. Now, one thing that people should know about these guardian ad litems is they have practically no training whatsoever. um, I literally looked it up. It's a 48-hour class that they have to complete. That's it. And um, there's very little education when it comes to child development. Uh, There's no education when it comes to child abuse or neglect. So these are typically attorneys. So my lady was a divorce attorney. Her name is Julie Pirtle. And once she came on the case was when everything literally went to the end of the world for me. Um, And it became a horrifying experience. She was bent from the beginning to uh, manipulate the court process in her favor and to make sure that my ex, who admitted to being a rapist, and this is even in her report, 
that's how crazy this gets. I mean, in her guardian ad litem mm-hmm. report, she puts in her report that he admitted to assaulting me and still recommends that he had full custody of the kids. Um, so that was just <sighs> unbelievable in itself. So she gets on the case. And my daughter is making all sorts of accusations against her grandfather, stating that she is being uh, touched inappropriately, stating that her brother is being hit, and all these different allegations. Um, In addition to that, she was taken to the hospital, and she had been diagnosed with contusion and domestic concerns. And so on top of all of her allegations, hospital paperwork, and then we had um, my ex was being investigated for child pornography. He had left a hard drive in my car. The reason it was my car was because I had the credit to buy the car. He didn't have any credit because he didn't have a job. He had been employed maybe three months out of the entire five years that we had been together on and off. So he didn't have any sort of credit history that he could have used. So when they took custody of him and arrested him for my assault, they gave me back my car. So when they gave me back my car, I found the hard drive in a secret compartment, like where you'd have a spare tire next to a box of condoms. The hard drive I took Mm -hmm. in um, to be put on my friend's computer, and uh, my friends eventually became my roommates, and we looked on Uh, the computer to see what was on the hard drive and there were these really disgusting horrifying graphic animated images of children depicted about my daughter's age four six years old I think one was as young as three and they were having sex with one another and they were having sex with adults and they were doing very um, disturbing things uh, including oral anal and vaginal penetration It was extremely disturbing. So I called the detective on my rape case, and she told me uh, that it wasn't necessarily illegal to have those kind of images in Illinois, which that's a problem in itself. It should be. Um, Mm -hmm. But she wanted to take in the hard drive and have it looked at. So there was an investigation into that as well. So we had all this information. The GAL was collecting all this information. And... um, Let's see here. It was April 25th. We went for the emergency motion. In the emergency motion, when it went before the judge, the judge decided that my um, my ex would still be seeing the kids, but his father wasn't allowed to be around the kids. But he lived with his father, and when the attorney brought that up, the judge just said that um, the kids could go in another room then. And it was uh-huh. I was like, what? That's unbelievable. So. Yeah. Uh, then we had a evidentiary hearing, what was supposed to be an evidentiary hearing on May 2nd, and the GAL, Julie Pertle, took complete full control of that. Um, she manipulated in every way possible. She talked about how I'm crazy, how this is all in my head, how because I was abused as a child, I should have no say, and I didn't know what was actually happening, and just com- whatever she could say to feed the narrative that the kids would be better off with Tom, she said. And I got sick of hearing it because at the same time, Tom and his friend are stating that my daughter is showing concerns of sexual abuse and they're showing that she's showing signs. They try to blame it on a family member of mine who my daughter wasn't even seeing. 
So you have both the father and the mother and a witness stating the child is showing concerns. And yet the guardian litem is saying that there's, there's nothing that needs to be done and there's no emergency motion that needs to be had. So the judge listened to her. I walked out because I was so angry at just Can't the egregiousness imagine. of what she did. Yeah, and, and putting me on the spot like that and talking about very intimate things that um, I had talked to Tom about in confidence, and she was talking about in, in front of the judge uh, regarding me that had nothing to do with the case whatsoever. So we get to May May 2nd was the evidentiary hearing. Now it's May 15th. So May 15th, the only thing that was supposed to happen was my attorney was going to withdraw. The reason she was going to withdraw is because she wanted $1,000 a month from me. I absolutely couldn't afford that. I said, okay, if that's the only option, you need to withdraw. So on May 15th, when she already had the paperwork to withdraw, everything was signed. It was all good to go. I get a phone call. Well, I'm at work. I'm on a live-in with a client. So I take care of elderly people, which is why what you guys do really matters to me because those are literally my clients. So when I'm doing a live-in with my client, I get a phone call from my roommates. And they're like, the police are here to take your kids. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they said the guardian litem, Julie Pirtle, remember that name, had signed a, um, a removal of the kids' temporary custody to Thomas, and so did Judge John G. Dalton. They both signed it, which, by the way, they're both friends. Um, mm-hmm. So there was definitely ex parte communication because those were they are both friends. That's confirmed that they're friends. Their families oh, yeah. know each other. He actually had pictures of her nephews drinking beer with him on his Facebook page, public Facebook page, anyone could look at. So those two were in cahoots for sure. They know each other. Mm-hmm. They're family friends. They always are. Yeah. Yep, and I proved that, and that actually came out in one of the hearings. But anyways, back to where I was at. So these police are here to take my kids. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what do you mean you're here to take my kids? Um, They put me on the phone with the cops, and the one cop is like, I don't know what's going on, Kara. I mean, I'm calling the FBI because I don't understand this. Because this cop knew that Tom had literally admitted to raping me, and now my kids are being taken from me. Makes absolutely no sense. So I'm talking to this cop, and I'm like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what to do. I'm so scared. Like, I I don't have an attorney now because she just withdrew. Like, what do I do? And he's like, Kara, you have to give the kids. I wish I didn't have to say that to you, but you have to, or things are going to get worse for you, and you can go to jail for violating a court order. So I was like, well, I can't even get there till 8 p.m. I am on a live-in right now. There's no way for me to to get there at this very moment. He's like, okay, that's fine. So – the cops are even telling me, yeah, you can wait till 8 p.m. This happened 12 noon or 1 p.m. So that's either seven or eight hours where I'm with my kids and I don't have to turn them over. So that already right. tells you I was never a danger to my children whatsoever. There was never a mm-hmm. reason to take my kids. So the cops come back, 8 p.m. I'm with, I find somebody to take over my shift and I give the kids to them. And I'm going to court. Asking for an emer- um, asking for what do they call it an evidentiary hearing to to defend myself against why my kids were taken because nobody ever told me nobody told me why the kids were taken I didn't even get to see the emergency motion they used to take the kids so all of this was wow. done ex parte I was never given notice it was completely illegal not only was it illegal it was completely unethical so let's see. 
So we go to court, and then I find out that in this ex parte emergency motion, they actually appointed our babysitter for our kids as the, um, let's see, the, uh, what do they call it? The Basically the um, court supervisor. So that would be okay. the hench person hun- under the guardian litem. And typically that person okay. is not a friend or somebody that's not a professional. But in this case, that's what they did, which didn't make any sense either. And she wasn't even there to say she could do this. So, like, if she had a job or something, she would be violating yeah. a court order that she never even agreed to. Oh, wow. So that now, did you like the babysitter? Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we were so you, so, best friends. Okay. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, I had no problem with her being the court supervisor, but, I mean, she had her mm-hmm. own child, so that was, a, you know, an issue that they should have taken in consideration and didn't. And not only did she mm-hmm. have her own child, but they didn't know what her schedule was. So they were setting right. this thing up basically to fail, but surprisingly she made sure it didn't fail. So Aww. the kids are coming to see me twice a week because I couldn't even see them three days a week because I had to work and I couldn't find anyone to take over my Monday shift. They literally didn't care what my work schedule was, even though I had told them they would not change it. So I was only seeing the kids two days a week and every single time we would see the kids, um, there was bruising. My daughter had a partial black eye. She had a busted lip. She's telling the court supervisor, all these disclosures of sexual abuse, which the court supervisor wrote down like a lengthy, um, uh, what do you call it, like a log of all the very intimate things that my daughter was telling her regarding sexual abuse. And she was calling DCFS, and DCFS was doing nothing. And the reason why DCFS does nothing is because not only does the guardian ad litem manipulate the court, the guardian ad litem also manipulates DCFS. They manipulate any criminal case. They are literally a worm that gets their way into every single aspect of every process to make mm-hmm. it go whatever way the judge wants it to go. That's why they yeah. are the what's called the judge's investigator. To me, it's more like they're the judge's henchmen, but that's my opinion. So anyway, like Julie woman is some kind of weird psychopath that she's enjoying. She obviously knows this is going on and she's letting, Oh, she a hundred percent knows. Yeah. And oh she, she eats it up. Like when she would talk to me on yeah. the phone, she would call me sweetheart. She was rude. She was very um, passive aggressive towards me. I mean, she never liked me not once. And wow. I could tell she never liked me. And at first, I never did a thing to her, so I couldn't understand where the bias was coming from. And, you know, I mm-hmm. paid her her $750 retainer and whatever. Like, I did not give her any issues at first. I was a normal human being. Uh, I was mm-hmm. nice to her. And I could always tell there was, like, this wall you know, that she was ice with me. It was very, very weird. Um, so I knew something was up from the beginning with her. I think. I think what these weirdos are, it's that she enjoyed the pain that she inflicted on you, and she got off on it because she's sick in the head. Oh, 100%. I I saw her laughing at court dates. Oh, my God. Um, Her and her partner, Julia Pucci, because they're actually childhood Mm -hmm. best friends, and they run the law firm together. They would sit there Mm. cackling about not only the fact that my kids were taken, but after my son died, they would laugh about that as well. I mean, they're wow. really evil, sick individuals. Yeah, extremely oh sick gosh. people. 
So any and they and Julia Pucci would repeatedly come to my court dates when she had no business being there. Uh, she wasn't mm-hmm. the guardian litem on the case. She would literally just sit there to gawk at what was going on and to laugh and to just yeah, be and with and, you know a mean girl. Yeah, like you know, and literally, I felt like I was back in high school, and the cheerleading squad was picking on the weird goth kid again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how I felt, and I shouldn't have to um, feel like that. Being only twenty-two no. years old, these women are so much older than me, and they've got everything going for them. So for them to be as cruel and mean as they were, and unprofessional, yeah. and just mm-hmm. overall catty was awful, but I'll get into that later. So anyways, back to the story. So DCFS was called numerous times by the court-appointed supervisor. The guardian litem was contacted numerous times. Um, She also tried to set up meetings with her and have conferences with her and talk to her, and she never, the Julie Pirtle would never meet with her or talk with her. She didn't care at all what she had to say. So that was another issue because this is the person Julie literally appointed to be her eyes and ears because she wasn't at the house. You know, mm-hmm. the, the court appointed supervisor was at the house with me. So we, things are, are not going well and everyone knows things are not going well. And I get this, our family wizard message from Tom. Now our family wizard is the communication app that we have to use because of my order protection. Okay. So I get this message that my son, and this is, in August. This was August 2nd, I want to say. Now, what and year is he told August? me This is all 2019. Okay. Gotcha. It started with my rape in March 2019, and then it went on from there. Okay. So this all wow. happened within a, within, when less than a year this all happened, and the writing was literally on the wall. Um, wow. So I get this message, and Tom's telling me that James is in the hospital. I'm like, why is James in the hospital? goes, oh, he has a prolapse rectum. And at first I'm not concerned because as a CNA, you know, I've experienced prolapse rectums before. I've seen it happen. Uh, Usually it's not concerning. It goes right back inside or you put on a glove and you gently push the rectum back into place and there's no issue. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wasn't that concerned at first. But then when he told me that my son had been in the hospital for three days, now I'm concerned. Because yeah. there's absolutely no reason for my son, who had no digestive issues, who had no genetic issues, who was a perfectly healthy baby when he was born, to have a problem like that. It didn't make any sense. So I immediately called the nurse. Like, I'm done talking to Tom at this point. I don't care what he has to say. I need to talk to the professionals. So I'm talking mm-hmm. to the nurse, and she's like, yeah, it's prolapsed already three times, even after surgery. Now I'm getting really concerned. So I start calling Julie Pirtle, and I must have called her like 100 times because I, I need to know how my son is. You know, I need to know what's going on. And she was ignoring all my calls. And I was like, I need to see my son. I left her a message. I go, I need to see my son, and I'm going to the hospital right now. At that point, I didn't care about court orders. I didn't care about anything. I need to see my son. So were you technically so boss, weren't allowed to go see your son unless she gave you permission? Oh, she's she the took guardian. my rights away. That ex parte yeah. hearing, this is a reason why it was so illegal as well. Not only wow. did they take custody, they took my rights, which you cannot mm-hmm. do that. So I had no medical. I had no educational rights. And typically, wow. like, you have to sign those over. 
And I, I never got that opportunity. I never got any opportunity to do anything. They just took everything from me. Completely illegal. So yeah, I, uh, my, my boss agrees to take me to the hospital, and because I don't drive, I have a medical condition where I don't drive. So my boss is taking me to the hospital, and we get there. Oh, before we get there, I get this message from Tom that my court-appointed supervisor has to be with me at the hospital, and this. And that's coming from Julie, who can't even give me a call back, is saying this. This is how sick this woman is. This is how freaking demented this woman is. She knows my son is seriously ill. She knows he's been in a hospital for three days, overnights as well, in the condition that he's in. And she's saying that his mother, who's the only person that's ever cared about him, and has been there for him and was taking her to work with him has to be supervised to see him when she's found absolutely no finding of endangerment. She's never found any cause to believe I would ever harm my children. And she's saying this garbage. So I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I said, I don't care what Julie has to say. I'm going, I need to see my son. And that's that. So I get there and I show them my order protection. I tell them I need to see my son. And you would not believe what happens next. They have the pediatric head of the Department of St. Alexius take off a half hour of her job to supervise me with my son. I'm not even kidding. Oh, my gosh. I mean, wow. what kind of corruption does that tell you? That's just that's, that's still mind-blowing to me. Not just yeah. a nurse, not just a physician, the head of the pediatric department of St. Alexia's house. I wonder what that head thought when they were sitting there just going, why am I doing this? This is, you know, because they probably don't know what's going on, all this corruption, and they're just sitting there going, why am I here? Wow. The only way I, I would think that she would even say she would do that is if she was paid. Because I, I can't imagine somebody yeah. that important who's literally looking over cancer patients and, you know, children with serious diseases would, would take off that amount of time just to supervise me with my child. So I'm with my son. My son is all taped up. Um, According to them, he had just been given an enema. His buttocks is completely taped up. He doesn't look too good. He's very happy when I come in to see him. We're playing on the floor. We're building blocks. We're doing stuff. He seems okay, but he's clearly not all there. Like he was medicated. It was obvious. And yeah. I see there's already a meal chart for the next day. So you, he's already been there three nights. This would now be the fourth night that he would have been wow. there. And I'm like, is he uh, staying over? And the nurse comes in and she's like, yeah, he's staying over again. His rectum has prolapsed five more times. I'm like, what? I go, do you guys know what's wrong with him? And she just, like, shakes her head and then leaves. Like, she can't tell me anything, but all she told me was that he was staying another night and that his rectum continues to prolapse, and they cannot keep it inside, even after the surgical procedures that they had already done, according to the nurse. 
So I'm ready to leave, and Tom messages me. He goes, I want you to talk to the social worker there. I'm like, why am I going to talk to the social worker? I've not accused you or anyone else of anything. I just want to know what's going on with my son. He's like, well, you're going to say it was sexual abuse. And I hadn't even thought that. That was not even something that went through my head at that point. And he's Mm -hmm. setting me up to say it's sexual abuse. Um, the only person that, the only child that had ever been making disclosures about sexual abuse and that we saw signs from was my daughter, never James. James was never a question of any sort of sexual abuse. So for Tom mm-hmm. to say that to me, like that red flagged me right away. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, so I talked to the social worker and I'm like, are you going to call DCFS? And she's like, I see no reason to. I'm like, you have a, a toddler here who's not even two years old who's now going to stay a fourth night or a fourth day for a prolapse rectum, you don't see an issue with that? That's not concerning to you? I go, do you know about the fact this man is being investigated for child porn? Do you know about the order of protection? And she's like, are you telling me how to do my job? And at that (laughs) point, I just walked. I just walked away from her because this woman yeah. could not have been more than three years older than me. She was very young. Wow. Um, she was very small. I don't know how she even got to the position that she was in her career because she was clearly, um, she, she was just, she's green for sure. She was green. Yeah. So my boss goes to me, she goes, are you going to call DCFS? I go, no. Like, why would I call DCFS at this point? They've done absolutely nothing for us. Um, they listen to whatever the guardian item spews out of her mouth. I mean, there's no point. They don't do anything. And things right. just seem to get worse when they get involved. So, no, I'm not going to call them. And she goes, well, I am calling them because my boss was pissed. I mean, this was clearly the last straw for her, and she was disgusted with yeah. what she saw with my son. So, remember that my son's supposed to stay there another day. So, yeah. she calls. And right after she gets off the phone, not even an hour later, all of a sudden we get this um, message on our family wizard from Tom that James is being emergency discharged from the hospital. Really? How did that happen when he was supposed to stay another night? Exactly. There's no reasoning as to why. really weird. Yep. And then he goes, do you want to see the kids tomorrow for your visitation? I was like, yeah, of course. So he drops off the kids to me. Kara, let me, I would like to ask a question here, and I'm sorry, please excuse, I have a sore throat. What the hell is an emergency discharge? I've never heard of that. Yeah, I I don't even know either. I mean, I, as a CNA, I haven't even heard that term used. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he meant by emergency discharge. I don't know why a child mm-hmm. who has a rectum that's still prolapsing and there's still an issue and surgical procedures aren't even helping it would ever be discharged from a hospital. I, it just, that doesn't even make sense to me. And that's a failure on the hospital itself because they should have never let my son leave ever. Wow. I don't care if DCFS said that it had to happen. I don't care if Tom said it had to happen. They had a sick child who was not getting any better. There's no reason he should have left that hospital. Have you, have you ever been able to see the medical records of that, of that, like, it's got to be in there somehow, do you think? That why? Uh, I have attempted to get all of the medical records from St. Alexius Hospital multiple times. 
and they've been very limited with what they have given me. And, um, and at this point, I'm going to have to subpoena that? the rest of the record. I don't oh know. Oh, my gosh. Is it because I don't the Guardian can have the record still, or I wonder why that is? I'm wow. really not sure. But, yeah, I mean, they, they've definitely been very cagey. As far as hospitals go, mm-hmm. they are definitely, um, they're, they were very odd. They were a very odd hospital to yeah. deal with. The other wow. hospitals, but not, but they they were hiding something. It was very strange because I think mm-hmm. they knew with what they did that they could be sued because they yeah. literally released a sick child that they had no business going home. Um. Oh so, anyways, so I pick up the kids. Me and the court appointed supervisor, my daughter and my son, are at the house. My son needs to have his diaper changed. Uh, my daughter comes over and holds my son's hand while I'm changing his diaper, which she never does that. So that was really weird. Mm-hmm. So I'm changing his diaper, and when I'm changing his his uh, his diaper, his anus is, is gaping. It's very very large, and it's almost like it's pulsating. And that was concerning to me. But I was like, well, he did have surgical procedures. That could be it. I don't know. But it it, it was very uh, as a parent. It honestly made me want to throw up. I was so sickened by the yeah. sight of my child's gaping anus, who's not oh even two. God. So my daughter starts tugging on me after I'm done changing my son that she's got to go to the bathroom. So I take her to the bathroom. Court supervisor is watching my son. The door is open to crack so the court supervisor can see me with my daughter because she's supposed to be watching absolutely everything. So my daughter mm-hmm. is sitting on the toilet, and she goes to me, she goes, someone hurt James. And I was like, who hurt James? And she says, Grandpa put a toothbrush in James' butt and had me pull it out. Um, I tried to carry him off the bed. He was screaming and crying, but Grandpa pushed me down. And I looked at her, and I could not believe what just came out of my three-year-old's mouth. I was like, what? And then uh, she acted as if she just didn't say anything. She smiled, and she started laughing, and... um, it was like she didn't even say the horrendous thing that she just said. Uh, she she didn't really – it was like she just ate breakfast. I, I like to attribute it to that because there was no emotion. It was very flat. It was freaky. And uh, she didn't understand at all the gravity of what she just said. But the story no. was very clear. So oh I'm just – the court-appointed supervisor hears this. She sends a message did to the guardian hear, litem. The guardian litem. Did she hear Sasha say it? Yes. That's why she sent a oh. message to the guardian litem. Okay. So oh. she sent a, a message to the guardian litem on email, and the guardian litem's like, oh, yeah, well, DCFS will deal with it. I mean, this woman, oh. So wow. first of all, why I can't stand Julie Pirtle is she, had, she has two children. She has a boy and a girl. She literally has what I had. And yeah. her neglect on this case it's unfathomable her response to these horrific things i'm sorry you're a guardian litem you know a child was just hospitalized for almost four days in a hospital with his his anus falling out and no cause of how that was all that how that happened you should be a lot more concerned when a three-year-old makes this kind of disclosure and the court supervisor yeah. that you hired or that you appointed, because she wasn't getting paid, you appointed is saying something like this. 
And of course, yeah. you know, she wasn't. It was just uh, very lax days ago. She didn't care. So, um, so then the kids are picked up by Tom, and he sends me this message on our family wizard that DCFS is taking custody of the kids. So I'm like, what? Wow. Why is DCFS taking custody of the kids? I'm I'm freaking out. I'm calling all sorts of DCFS agencies. Nobody's telling me anything. 9 p.m. I finally get a caseworker to call me. Her name is Karen Johnson Wren. The reason that's so important is because she's still employed. There's no reason this woman should still be employed. Um, and she's at the Deerfield DCFS office. So please, like this woman needs to not be employed anymore. So she's um, she's telling me oh, this is all my fault. Um, wow. That the kids are being taken from me, that I don't get to see them. And she's not answering any of my questions. She's not answering if my son's okay, if he's healthy, if he's sick. She doesn't care. And I, at one point I go, like, who do you think you are? And she goes, I'm DCFS. And then she hangs up the phone. So the next day I'm calling everywhere I can think of trying to figure out what's going on with my kids. And every single DCFS agency I call says I'm not under investigation. Well, the way the law works is you have to be informed if you are under investigation that you are under investigation with DCFS. Not only that, but you have to sign a safety plan stating your children can be in their custody or the custody of a family member. They cannot just take your kids, especially when there's a court order stating that you get visitation. That does not trump the court order that's already in place. And we would have had to go to court to fix that court order, and we did not. So at this point, it's wow. another illegal seizure of my children. Yeah. So, so I go to the police station, and this is the Palatine Police Station. I talk with a detective, Leiden, and I'm saying, um, you know, where are my kids? Uh, and he goes, oh, they're with DCFS. I go, I need to see the paperwork. I'm not leaving here until I see paperwork proving that this is where they're at and that they're safe. And he's like, look, you won't be the first parent to come in here looking for your kid, and you won't be the last. So this goes on, and I leave the police station because there's nothing else I can do at that point. We go to court a couple days later, and this Julie Pirtle woman is in court now stating that I need to have paid supervision with my kids. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why do I need paid supervision now with my kids? And she's like, well, there's been eight mandated reporters that called DCFS. So right there, she's admitting that eight mandated reporters, which those are nurses, doctors, teachers, actual professionals, called DCFS. But I need to be punished, apparently, even though I'm not involved in any of this and my kids have been taken. So how could I make any of this happen then? So she's sitting there saying all that, and I'm asking about my son. And one of the attorneys, or the attorney for Tom, and it wasn't Scott Sheen, it was Stephen Olzik or whatever his name was, he goes, well, his condition has actually gotten worse since he's been with DCFS. And I'm like, you know, if they don't fix this condition, you know, if he's going to have a permanently prolapsed rectum. And this woman, I kid you not, I have the transcripts. She literally goes, well, I don't know if it will be permanent. So here's this crazy guardian litem saying that I need to be supervised with my children and pay $900 a month to do it and his actually can't even say for sure if my son is going to have a permanent rectal prolapse for the rest of his life. It was, it was just stunning. 
Her incompetence is stunning. The fact that yeah. she still has a bar card is stunning. Um, so anyways, so this continues. They want me to sign that I'm willing to be supervised and pay to be supervised with my kids. And I'm not going to sign this because they only want this because they have never found me to be a danger to the kids. So the reason they want you to sign the paperwork saying that you can be supervised and you're going to pay for your supervision is because then that can be given to any other court here and after, and you've been proven now to be a danger to your kids because you yourself are saying you're a danger to your kids. Way to do your homework on that one. Yeah, I mean, for that one, it was was pretty much just common sense. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like that's why they would want that because they've never found me to be a danger to my kids. So yeah. it goes on three months. I get the worst call of my life, October 31st, 2019. So October 31st, 2019, I get a call from a doctor while I'm at work. It's got to be about 9.30 to 10 o'clock at night. And he goes, are you, are you James' mother? And I was like, yes. And he goes, your son is very sick. I need you to come here. And, and uh, I was like, what do you mean he's very sick? He goes, I just need you to come. And um, so I immediately leave work. I uh, I call up a lift to take me to the hospital. I meet my mother there. And uh, when we get there, an attendant meets us, and she takes us into a room. And the, the slab is empty. And I start screaming, I go, where is my son? Where is my son? And the doctor comes out, and he's just looking at the floor, and he says he didn't make it. I was like, what do you mean he didn't make it? Like, I don't understand. I've, I've, been te- I've been told the prolapse rectum was fixed. Like, what is what happened? What's wrong? And the doctor couldn't give me any information. He didn't know. It was, you know, he, he couldn't tell me. He goes, do you want to see your son? I was like, of course I'm going to see my son. So he gives me my son, and my son is still warm. <sighs> I'm holding my son, and um, I... I I'm just looking into his eyes and knowing that he'll never be able to breathe life again. And um, a bunch of policemen are standing at the side of the wall, and I just start screaming at them, like, this is all your fault. If you guys would have listened, if you guys would have done something, my son wouldn't be dead right now. And when I'm looking at my son... I'm starting to notice all these red marks all over his stomach. And I asked the nurse, I go, what's this? And she goes, well, that's just what happens when people die. And I'm a CNA, and I've seen people die in front of me. And that is not what rigor mortis looks like. It does not look like red handprints all over my son's stomach. So after I point this out, they have us literally leave. I had walked away. I said, I need to catch my breath because I just, I was feeling yeah. a lot. And I went to get some air. My mom followed me and we went back inside and um, they told us we had to leave. My grandma was literally on her way to see my son and they told us we had to go, that there was um, an expert medical examiner coming. So we leave and at this point now, the judge, Judge John Dalton, had recused himself on the 10th of October. My son died the 31st. So he recuses himself 20 days before. 
the guardian okay. litem, Julie Pirtle, and we all know guardian litems like to sit on cases as long as they possibly can and collect yeah. money as much as they possibly can. She yeah. recuses herself in an emergency petition to get off the case six days before my son dies. So don't tell me she didn't oh. know exactly what was going on. She knew what was going on, and she knew my son was going to die because that is way too much of a coincidence that you recuse yeah. yourself less than a week before he dies. Because she couldn't be found. So, found. Now, whose care was he in? Was he in, like, a foster home, or whose care was he no. in? He was um, – it was proven by the medical records that they had never even taken my son out of the house that he was actually, the guardian was Tom's stepmother, and he was in the house the whole time, that he was supposedly with, in DCFS custody. Oh, he was so with he the grandpa was in the house the with them. Yeah, he was oh. with Grandpa Tom, and the stepmother was the oh. guardian. So they, uh, they completely lied to me. So, oh, my gosh. And we go to the court, because I need to see my daughter at this point, and Judge Cruz who took over the case and is now running for Supreme Court, the first thing this man does when we get into court is he threatens me with jail. What? He, he makes sure to tell me that he's in charge, that he knows what went on with Judge Dalton, and that he is not afraid of putting anyone in jail. I'm a mother who just lost her son three days ago, and that's the yeah. first thing this man does. And not only that, he refuses to let me see my daughter because of my social media posting. This is the kind of wicked evil that wants to be Illinois Supreme Court judge. All of Illinois would be failed if this man becomes a yeah, Supreme Court judge. Absolutely. So, now, how does that election go? Is that a whole statewide election or is it just like uh, a few counties? That he'll be no, on it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's statewide. I have to find out more about it, but yeah. um, I'm pretty sure it's statewide. So wow. then a couple months, I think it was like a month later, um, things are getting really heated. I'm making a bunch of social media posts. I'm yeah. Everyone is devastated about James passing. Our following yeah. shoots up to over 5,000 when we only had maybe 1,500. Like things are getting intense. And um, Judge Cruz lets me see my daughter with my mom as the supervisor, which made no sense because they had told me before my mom couldn't be a supervisor and um, because they didn't trust her and all this other garbage. And now all of a sudden my mom can supervise me. So my mom and me uh, were with Sasha for like a week at Barnes and Noble. And then that was done. And literally right after that was done, I was seeing my daughter 50% of the time. I had three and a half days, which included overnights. So this is without another GAL on the case, because another GAL has mm -hmm. never been assigned to the case. This is huh. without a 604B evaluation. This is without any sort of investigation whatsoever. So we go from the guardian litem trying to tell people that I would murder my kids with no evidence. She actually tried to convince my therapist of that to... Now, all of a sudden, I can just see my kids, or I can see my daughter? Yeah. How does that work? So, we uh, going forward, so, um, let's see here. I do the um, independent autopsy because their autopsy was just undetermined natural. 
and literally nothing mm-hmm. else to it, just undetermined natural. And I was like, that's, that's ridiculous. I don't believe that for a second. That doesn't make any sense. So I get my own autopsy done. The, pre- the preliminary results of the, my autopsy are um, suffocation. And this was done by somebody who has been experienced in the field for 10 years, and she was an actual certified forensic pathologist. Their individual who did my son's autopsy at the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office was not even certified in forensic pathology. So it takes almost a year, and they finally let my forensic pathologist look at the organs because they had withheld the neck organs, the brain, and the heart, they, like, which they shouldn't have the done. Organs? There was no reason to. Yeah, they withheld my they... son's organs. Now they... They claimed the brain and the heart was for expert opinion, which I can understand that. But the neck organs, Mm -hmm. they had absolutely no reason to ever withhold those. And what was really crazy to me is the, their pathologist, John Walsh actually said that the neck organs have been put back. So he didn't even seem to know that the neck organs were completely missing from my son. So judge Cruz now knows all about these different, things that are mm-hmm. going on and he's aware that there's new findings and he still yeah. doesn't change anything. Um, DCFS is involved. DCFS is doing a safety plan. Tom, it has to be um, supervised because that's what DCFS wants. And his mother was is the guardian. Let, oh, and the grandpa probably can be his supervisor. No, wow. it, was, it was mom. It's his a, mom was mom. the guardian. Okay. Yeah. So even after oh the spinal God. cord injury is found and uncovered, and that is now listed as the cause of death, uh, mm-hmm. DCFS closes their case, and Judge Cruz threatens me into signing this 50-50 allocation judgment. Now, I had been, my attorney had kept sending me an allocation judgment while all this was going on, and I was like, I'm not going to sign this. There's no way I'm going to sign this. And um, it got to the point where Scott Sheen, my ex's attorney, Tom's attorney, sends these contempt petitions. And this is in reference to an order that Judge Dalton did back in August when my son was going through his prolapse rectums. And um, the contempt positions are basically that I couldn't post on social media. So they are literally attempting to use 2019 gag order in 2020 just to silence me. So mm-hmm. the deal was basically, unless you want to go to jail without jury or trial, because that's what civil contempt is, and never see your daughter, you need to sign 50-50 with your rapist, a man who has admitted to raping you, a man who has stated that the hard drive full of child pornography, which it had been determined by the Elgin police after a forensic review of the um, hard drive had over 700 real missing children uh, missing children on it, 47 identified, um, 422 recognized, and 288 new victims, so unrecognized, unidentified. And then there was five Im- images of legitimate child pornography, completely naked children, and then there was... Um, all the other kids were just in their underwear. So this is what this man who wants to be a Supreme Court judge had me agree to. Not only that, but James died in Tom's custody. He had the anal Mm -hmm. issues in Tom's custody, and Mm -hmm. he still is forcing me to agree to this. So I did something pretty smart. Right after 
I agreed to this because I got my medical rights back and my educational rights, I go to get my son's medical records. Good it turns you. out that the doctors, the um, child protection specialist MD at Children's Lorries, which is the top hospital in all of Illinois for children, arguably, arguably nationwide, states she has concerns of anal penetrative rape to my one-year-old. Oh, my gosh. Not only this, August 13th, my son had a prolapse rectum the size of an orange that had become incarcerated, had no anal tone whatsoever, and had to undergo emergency rectal repair surgery on the 14th, which was right before our court date that Julie Pirtle went before the judge and asked that I be supervised under government supervision and pay $900 a month. So she knew my son underwent emergency rectal repair surgery. She Mm -hmm. knew that there were concerns of anal penetrative sexual abuse, and not once did she ever say it to the judge, and not once did she ever put in her report. It gets worse. August 14th, my son was, or August 13th was when it was written down, my son was presumed to have um, high risk of morbidity, mortality, complications, not just from the prolapse rectum alone, but even after surgery, his prognosis was that bad. So even with the surgery, they knew he was going to die or have a condition that he would have to live with where he would become diseased. So she knew all of this and still did what she did. So then things become really heated because I am now going to the Palatine police. I am now, you know, speaking out online because my son was raped and it's not, it's not in accusation. It's literally believed by the Palatine police. They actually took Mm -hmm. the case to the state's attorney of Cook County. Cook County tried to not press charges claiming not enough evidence. I had every single person make phone calls. I told them to not stop calling because James needs justice. And now it's an active investigation again. Oh, my God. So, I, I'm just, like, yeah. crying here listening. Like I said, you're a warrior mama. This story, I can only imagine everyone is in tears right now. And then you just turned it around and kept fighting. And then didn't Tom get – he's getting in trouble, isn't he? So I can't talk a whole lot about that. What okay. I can say right. is there have been charges. Um, unfortunately wow. there have not been charges yet regarding my son, but there have okay. been charges regarding myself. Um, one of those charges I can talk about, um, it's, okay. he violated my order of protection. I, my order of protection has since been extended. So it went from two years to now three years. And uh-huh. that is again for him admitting to raping me. And, um, he violated it by harassing me over our parenting app and just calling me a whore, calling me horrible names, um, telling me to F off, like just horrible gaslighting, very abusive content. And this is a man who is supposed to be grieving his son, right? Yeah. This is a man who pocketed $500 from me so my son couldn't get a headstone. 
on our parenting app, there is a uh, like a kind of like on Facebook Pay, right? So on our parenting app, there's a parenting app Pay that you use. And I sent him $500 because that was the only way he would get my son a headstone. And my son hadn't had a headstone for a year. And even when I would try to buy my son a headstone, because Tom owned the plot, they wouldn't let me do it. So the only way I would be able to do anything was through him, unfortunately. And he actually pocketed the money. Um, His mom didn't know he did. So she made a mistake and commented on uh, one of my Facebook posts because I had made a comment that I had sent $500 for the headstone, yeah. she goes, what money? I never saw any money. So she didn't know what was going on, so she gave up her own son right then and there. He has never made a mm-hmm. post about his son's death. His son has no obituary. His son did not have an actual funeral. It was like four people that buried my son while I was with my daughter, and I didn't even know this occurred. They did it in secret. And, yeah, he has shown absolutely no behaviors of somebody grieving or mourning or being upset whatsoever. So that is where we are at now. I have a new judge. Um, Judge Cruz actually uh, is gone from family court. He is now a traffic judge, which is really funny because he thinks he can go from being a traffic judge after being demoted from a family court judge because he – doesn't know how to make correct rulings right. and thinks it's better to punish people for social media and freedom of speech rather than right. not ignore the rape of a child. Cause he actually had Tom send me the medical records. He wrote in the court order that only Tom could send me the medical records. So he knew full well, Tom was just going to cherry pick what medical records he sent to me. And mm-hmm. I can't prove this yet, but I'm, almost a 99.9 repeating percent sure that Judge Cruz was aware of the actual medical records of my son, and he mm-hmm. had known that there was concerns from the hospital. Children's Lorries, the best hospital in Illinois for, yeah. for kids, knew that this my son so had been heartbreaking. This is so it, it's horrifying. But a it's guardian, horrifying. A guardian, it is. Now let's move forward to your protest, because I know we just have you for about 15 more minutes. You have been so amazing. I watch your protests on Facebook Live. You've done several, haven't you? And you go down to the Palatine, is it Palatine Police Department and demand It is the, the Palatine Police Review. Department. Yeah. Okay. So we How have many done, have you done? Um, I think we've done four. Unfortunately, I had to cancel two. Um one of them was due to safety concerns. After one protest, things got super heated. His mother actually showed up at one of my protests and started screaming at me and screaming at everyone involved and then just sat in her car and was acting extremely erratic and um, confrontational, and I was actually afraid for the other protesters' safety. Um, so we actually had to cancel the one that was coming up because we were concerned with that behavior. Yeah. And Tom had actually just gotten out of jail as well. So he had okay. he had made bond and we were concerned about doing a protest because we didn't know what kind of state of mind he would be in. But we did four. They were all very successful. We had a good turnout for protests like this yeah. because typically you only get three to four people. We got over twenty every time. And that That's was very amazing. exciting. We and made a lot Facebook of noise. Lives. Yeah, because yeah, I, I would watch your March. protest. 
and people came wow. from out of state too. So that was pretty amazing. Oh my goodness! But um, now, I will say we will go ahead. We won't. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we won't be doing any more protests at the Palatine Police because the Palatine Police are the ones that have requested charges for James' rape. So they are actually protest that. It worked. I don't. I don't know if it's because of the protests. I would like to believe that after they had seen the medical records for themselves, that um, mm-hmm. they were just as sickened and repulsed as I was, and wanted something yeah. to be done. Um, they're not all bad over there. I've definitely met yeah. um, a lot of caring cops that actually do want James to have justice. So our next protest, if needed, if charges are not pressed um, regarding yeah. James' rape, because I will not stop until they are, will be at the Cook County Rolling Meadows State's Attorney's Office. And then okay. we will just go up the food chain from there on whoever we have to talk to or protest to get something to happen. Because I'm sorry, there is absolutely no way you can have a rape of a one-year-old and just for someone to walk completely unscathed from it, that person needs to be put behind bars. That person needs to be put on behind bars, in my opinion, for life, because they knew yeah. that when they did that, that there was a potential that that child was going to die. And they didn't care. Their sexual gratification was more important. Because you have to know when you're making the decision to rape a one-year-old child who is not fully developed, who is very yeah. small, very fragile, very delicate, that there is a potential that that child is going to die and they're not going to be able to be among us anymore. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Now, they, uh, Cook County wants, wants to continue to say the rape and the death are not connected. I just don't believe that because the last medical record I have is my son still being treated for the anal trauma in October. He died in October. So you're telling me October 14th, he's being treated for the same thing. And October 31st, he just dies from something completely unrelated. That's, that's unfathomable. That's, I'm sorry, that's unbelievable. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. I believe fully that my son died from the sexual trauma that was done to him and that was not taken care of the way it should have been. Because if it would have been taken care of by St. Alexia's Hospital when it was supposed to be and he wouldn't have been released from that hospital, I don't think it would have gotten as bad as it did. From what it sounds like to me, to become the size of an orange, that's that's a really bad swelling. And that's the kind of swelling you see after a sexual trauma. After a sexual trauma, the swelling appears six to seven days later. Well, if he was raped oh. on the second, um, seven days later, that puts you at the ninth. That was the ninth was exactly the day where the, um, the, the MD had stated that she had concerns of anal penetrative abuse because at that point it was like the size of a donut. And then it became a size of an orange only a couple days later. So you see the swelling throughout those weeks. Not only do you yeah. see the swelling, but you see the gaping, you see pulsating, you see the lack the lack of laxicity. All of those, if you look up right now, uh, sexual trauma, um, anal sexual trauma, that's, that's it to a T. All of those signs are exactly what a child goes through 
after they have been raped. This is so and, heartbreaking. Yeah. Now it's, you're getting some national so, media. Te- yeah. Now haven't you been getting some national media attention with your protests? Wasn't there like an or was it like the a Chicago newspaper? Because people should know Cook County. That's Chicago area for people who aren't from the area. So Are there's been a bunch of different media outlets who have taken on this story. Um, CBS actually did a news story on my son. Um, their news story was not very informative. Um, in my opinion, it lacked a lot of information that it should have had, but they did do a story on it, which is shocking because uh, yeah. typically family court cases never make it that far. Um, and, um, Palatine Patch has done many stories. I think they're a story about Judge Cruz forcing my hand to have me uh, co-parent with my rapist um, is one of the reasons why he is no longer um, a family court judge. That's just my opinion. I don't know if that's a fact, but they did something journal and topics. They did something journal and topics I was really impressed with because – they were the first media outlet to come out and state that the medical records were proof of the anal penetrative rape. Um, yeah. And I, that's shocking for a local newspaper to, to put that mm-hmm. out, especially in regards to a sexual assault of a child. Uh, I give that journalist mad props because uh, yeah. I'm sure that there's a lot of other people that would squash that story and he didn't. And he put it out there, and I'm very impressed with that journalist for doing that. Um, wow. But, yeah, we've, we've, got, we've gained a lot of attention. The last video we did had over 48,000 views. Our page is over 16,000. The petition for James, which I sent you guys the link, so if you could just put that um, with the description of the story yes. or in the radio okay. show. Because that has yeah. over 31,000 signatures on it. And then the GoFundMe, which is extremely important because that's to get my daughter into safety, into my custody, um, without ever having to see her father unless it's completely 100% supervised. Um, that has over $25,000. So this has uh, this has blown up more than I could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, pretty much every state agency knows who James is. Uh, he's become there a household go. name when it comes to guardianship failures, family court failures. Uh, he's changing the world. You know, he only had two years on this earth, but he has probably put more impact on this on this earth than the majority yeah. of people living on it. As have you. As have you. And I mean, I'm just sitting here just bawling, but. I'm going to tell you something. Someone once said to me after Harvey had passed away, and um, actually you know him, is Michael Volpe, and I also had a, an attorney, two unrelated people said the same thing to me. And they called me after Harvey had passed away, and they said, Cause you can't, you can't walk away from it. You have to keep fighting. And this is for you, and you're doing it. Because someday – Somebody who doesn't even know your name is not going to live through the trauma that you lived through because you fought this. And that's what I was told, and that's why I do this. And I want you to know that someday everything that you've done and James' sacrifice is going to make a difference for someone who you never will even know. Because if oh, everyone I'm, knows I believe that. the story, and, and it's just like that is a huge purpose, 
and you're going to be doing this for a lot of years and you just amaze me. I love watching, like, you've done some Facebook Lives, like, before you're going to go out for the protest, and just, you're, you speak so well, and you're so inspiring. Like, I just watch. Like, some people get boring. Some people get where I'm not following the story, and I don't really know what they're trying to say, but you tell the story so well, and you're such an excellent public speaker. You you, I just, you just always amaze me. And at your young age, I hope that you realize how truly special you are. And I hope that all the listeners just have. This is just like I'm sitting here crying. This is such an emotional story. I'm so proud of you to be able to hold it together and tell the story because that's how the story gets told. And it, I just wish that everyone just go to. It's on Facebook. It's Justice for James, and there's a hashtag. Our and page then there's is Justice also, for James. All right. Everyone go like that page. Yeah. And then Safety for Sasha. And yep. she's adorable. I see all the pictures for with James and Safety for Sasha. Yeah. Well, you, I was just say, Warrior Mama, Marty what, Marty, what do you think of all this? Do you have any last-minute questions before we have to let Kara? Are you heading back to work tonight? Yeah, yeah, I have well, to I'm work still... at nine. Okay. Well, well, I appreciate you taking the time to be on. Uh, this is, on the one hand, one of the most tragic stories. <clears throat> and yeah. on the other hand, one of the most inspiring. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm so sorry, Car. And um, whatever we can do to support you, Car, we'll do it. You just have to let us yeah. know. We'll get underneath all the tags, we'll get the link to the petition and the GoFundMes. Kara, if you wouldn't want to send me that link again in Messenger so I can I don't have to search for it, and then I'll get those up when we're done with the show so people can see them. And we do have also a Facebook page where um, the PPJ Gazette where we're running all the, the promos also so people can start liking that if they don't see where the um, link is that we're going to put underneath the promo. But we we just yeah are so honored that you came on the show and that you told your story. It's such a powerful story. You tell it so well. I still remember when you were on. I think it was a little over a year ago, and how you just touch people's heart the way you speak. You have such a gift, and I think Marty said it perfect. It's it's so tragic, and yet it is so inspiring. And also to know that if you push hard enough and you scream hard enough and you keep doing the work, even though you've been threatened to be go, go to jail and everything, that you can see change in the courts. And it's so hard and discouraging for so many people beat up by the courts to hear your story and to feel inspiration from you that, you know what, sometimes some people can get through. Thank you so much. The, those words are really touching. And there actually has been a law recently that went into effect um, that J.B. Pritzker put out where now it's every single child who discloses sexual abuse is going to be taken seriously and given a forensic interview. And the only way that a sexual assault crime against a child can be charged is if there is a forensic interview done and that child tells that forensic interviewer and that child is deemed credible and their allegation is deemed credible. So um, James is the only case regarding sexual abuse that has gone viral. 
So I sincerely and truly believe that that law, especially given its date, August 20th, when my son was sexually assaulted um, in August of 2019, um, has to do with James and the work that we have been doing. And I am very happy that these children will now have a voice and will be heard. And uh, it means a lot to me that this has been something that has happened and is going to affect thousands of children and give voices to the voiceless. Wow. That's amazing. Has the law, has it officially passed or are they talking about it in the legislatures right now? Oh, it's been signed. Um, It goes into effect January of 2022. Okay. Do you know what they named? Did they name the law after James or do you know? It was not named after James. So that's why I said I can only think um, due to all the advocacy we've been doing. Um, and yeah. the only because it's the only viral sexual assault case, I, and forensic interviewers only re, only um, involved sexual abuse cases of children. Um, I had it on my Facebook. The law. Let me just see if I can pull it up real quick so people know what to look for. Uh, if you go to the forensic, or I'm uh, not the forensic, the CAC page. It's Children's Advocacy Center of Illinois. Uh, you'll be able to okay. see it for more information. But on August 20th, 2021, Governor Pritzker signed Public Act 102-0477 into Illinois law. This law amends the Bill of Rights for Children and provides that every child reported to DCFS or law enforcement to be a victim or sex- of sexual abuse has the right to a forensic interviewer at the Children's Advocacy Center. Wow. Carrie, you're amazing. Wow. And you know, there's another saying that I like. Um, Sometimes people judge, I always say, don't judge a person by the friends they they keep, but by the enemies. And with this Julie Pirtle and these, they probably hate you a lot and consider them enemies and be proud. Because I know the Atholes hate me and I love that they're my enemies. Be proud. Yeah, and one more thing. She was removed as a guardian litem. She lost her, what I like to call, VIP card, and she is no longer a guardian litem. Look at, there's some lives that have been saved because of that right there. Because she sounds like oh, it's like definitely. she perpetrated this. She wow. has no business ever advocating for children ever again. No, absolutely not. She should be so ashamed. It's disgusting. Just disgusting. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, Marty, any last minute? Any last minute comments before we have to let Kara get ready for work? Marty. I'm sorry. I was trying to be quiet on this. Center. No, I say we'd like to have you back, Kara, and follow up. Yeah. And see where yeah, you're at. Maybe in a month or so, have you have you back on and um, and see what progress you've made. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. You know, I love you guys. Thank I really you. appreciate you having me on your show and what you guys are doing. 
for for elderly people. I just uh, I care so much about. It's such a worthwhile cause, yeah. and I think well, it's really beautiful. For take, for thank you, and thank yeah. you for taking such good care of our elderly. Whoever is in yep. your care is in very special hands. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank yep. you for having me. Thank you, yep. Kara. Have a great night tonight. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, wow. That was quite a, ooh. Yeah. And it's one strong young woman. She's amazing. She's amazing. I I think her and I have been Facebook friends, maybe not quite two years, but I just, it always shows up in my feed, and she just, she just amazes me. And she's so strong for um, 25 years old. I can't imagine having gone through what she's been through, you know. Yeah, I can't either. She's going to come out on the other end of this so amazing. And I can't imagine, I I, I mean, have you gotten some comments in there? I mean, this is like, this is a powerful story. I think everybody's just done listening to this. Yeah. 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 And and she tells it so well, you know, she's, uh, when she was talking about, after her little boy died, I know she kind of yeah. caught there for a minute. But, uh, I think yeah. we all did. And uh, oh. but, uh, yes, well, cause I think the time. it's that time. Well, it's that time. We're going to end up with a hog report, and and I kind of feel like this hog report predator hog, and unfortunately. When we have powerful stories like we had today, the predator hog is going to try and get a hold of her. And the predator hog is going to try to act like the predator hog was behind all her successes and take credit for anything that she's done. And there's other people out there that are victims and the victims are advocating and they're they're speaking out. And predator hog likes to latch on to these victims that are outspoken, speaking out, because when an outspoken victim is really moving and shaking and getting heard, getting media exposure, getting articles, getting, you know, television, getting other other people to pay attention, the predator hog wants to be right there and act like they were the ones who put them in the spotlight. They basically take credit for the work that that victim advocate did. Have you ever seen some examples of this, Marty? Over and over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We see it all the time. Yeah. 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 And it's so, it's just so sad because it's taking the credit for something that someone has worked so hard. Someone has put themselves out there. Someone has spent a ton of money been threatened with lawsuits, and it's not in just Kara's situation. We know many examples. There are victims who I actually believe that the guardians and the judges, when they're all having their ex parte conversations, they psychologically analyze the victims, and they think, "Hmm, does this one look like good prey? Does this one look like they'll stay quiet? Does this one look like the threats that we make against them will keep them in line? And I do believe that they psychoanalyze the victims, and sometimes they don't get it right because 
Julie Pearl shouldn't psychoanalyze Kara, right? Because Kara spoke up and she's not done. We, I spoke up. The Othole sure didn't analyze me right. I spoke up. You know, I'm a little, a little person, and they probably just thought, you know, she's, yeah, she's going to be easy to walk all over. And we have many, many examples that we've had on this show that they have spoken up in the face of a lot of persecution. And the, the predator hog, that's the kind of person that the predator hog wants to latch on to. It's terrible. Goodness. How, yeah. Oh, I can't hardly breathe, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, we've seen this happen so many times, cause, and so yeah. many times the predator hog will run in, and they're going to save the day. They're going to save the day. Yeah. Everything, if it wasn't for them, and they'll save the day, you just have to send them some money and pay their way and all of this, and they're going to come in, and they're going to tell everybody what's what. And we've seen people go to jail. We've seen people lose everything mm-hmm. they had, and the predator yeah. gets back on his plane and flies home. And uh, But we've seen this numerous times. Uh, you know, you brought up during the interview uh, about – some of these advocates telling people to do things that are clearly illegal, like take your parents, yeah. you know, and, and leave and go to another yeah. state, which they did with Roger yeah. Hilgis. And, of course, he ended up in jail. And then the same people yeah. have been doing, you have every right to, that's your mother, go and take her, it's up to you. And stood back and said, oh, no, we never said that. We never said, yeah, you did. <laughs> you were all over the net yeah. blowing this stuff. And um, yeah. But, it just uh, you have to use your head you have to use your head don't don't put yourself in a trap um you're dealing with people that have no morals or principles to begin with so you messing up isn't going to do anything but make things worse you want to always want to keep your yeah yeah go ahead and what's what's so hard with these victims is they are like this is their family and they're so emotional already and they're already going this is illegal i mean most people are not stupid, and they realize that, hmm, there's some corruption going on. You figure it out yeah. pretty quick, and then you also figure out that there's really nothing that's going to save this. They're, they've, got it, right. they've got it locked down. So most people right. realize that, things, that, that crimes are being committed and that these judges and the guardians and the attorneys, it's not hard to figure out that crimes are being committed. But they're very emotional, and they're very distraught. And this predator yeah. hog, can it just like preys on that, preys on yes. the emotions of that. They, mm-hmm. This is your loved ones. These are your family. This is all that matters to people in the world. This isn't yeah. like they're just going to go like rob a $1,000 out of their bank account. This is right. their family. And right. that predator hog just seizes in on that. It's just yeah. awful. And yeah. you have to wonder what the actual payoff really is. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, there's, <laughs> it's like I say, because in all of this and all these years, I always knew I was going to have to fight the other side. I never thought for a minute I was going to have to fight people on the same side of the issue or who claimed to be that I was on. Yeah. And they're more concerned yeah. with uh, status. They're more concerned with uh, how you see them. Are, do you think they're important? And aren't they the most important person in the whole world? And, and if it wasn't for them and, yeah. you know, and all of this, they, they simply were looking for a cause to promote themselves. 
These people aren't interested yeah. in what happens to grandma or grandpa or anybody else in a guardianship. It's how well, can yeah. I use this to promote me? And um, Exactly. They just say, yeah, so we're right there. We've just got a few minutes left here because I think we're going to go ahead and shut down. And um, All right. I, I think I, I all of us are going to have a hard time enjoying the rest of our evening. I, I, I just think Kara, and when she tells her story, she's so powerful. Like I yes. said last, when she was on like a year ago, it was the next day, yes. and I'm still, I was still thinking about her and thinking about yeah. James. She's so amazing how she gets the story across. Oh, yes. my goodness. And yes. I was saying the promo, because I always post the promo, I saw that promo get shared more times than any other promo we posted. I have a feeling this oh, wow. was listened to a lot. This good. Yeah, well, I know we had a full listened. board, so, yeah. Yeah. So that's always good. She right. has well, a we'll following. Keep up on it. She has a following. Yes. Yes. And, and uh <laughs> keep track and have her come back and follow up because I got a feeling this thing over this judge is going to blow. And um, we're going to have to keep track of her because they might snatch her up, you know what I'm saying, to shut her up. And we'll have to mm-hmm. have a protest of our own uh, to get her out. Oh, yeah. And uh, I only so, live about three hours from her. So if anyone was catching the Cook County that she's in a suburb right around Chicago. So it's, this is right around oh. the Chicago area where, okay. where this is all happening, in the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. We'll get down there. We'll see about it. All right. Yeah. Well, everybody, I know it was a nice break not having to listen to me this evening because you did great. And um, Thank you. Kara, you trained me well. Yeah, thank you for coming on with us. We'll be back. We'll be back next week. I promise I'll feel better by then, and I'll let Kaz talk a lot more, though. Anyway, everybody, have a good evening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Kaz. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night, everyone.